Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. When God says for us to do something, it behooves us to be obedient. And he was trying to get Israel in this very first iteration, really, of obedience. Just do what I say. Just do what I say and you will live. And sometimes that's all as simple as it is. Just do as I say, the Lord says. And you will be safe. You will be blessed if we just do what he says. But we think better. I've got a better way, Lord. I can do it my way. I can get there quicker. You, you're, you want me to do this, but I can, the, the, straight, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. I can get there a lot quicker, Lord. And he's like, well, go ahead and try. Welcome to Truth in Christ for Today. Pastor Rob continues our study of the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 16. In this study, we find that God is reviewing the feasts that the Jewish people need to celebrate each year in order to remember what God has done for them and to continue to obey their God in a hostile land. These feasts are also something we as believers in Jesus Christ should take note of because they reflect the prophetic message of saving grace of the Son of God and the administering of the Holy Spirit for all who are born again. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. This evening we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 16. And if you remember, Deuteronomy is not a second law, it's really a second telling of the law. The law being given by Moses to the children of Israel. You remember it's recorded for us in uh, Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. And Deuteronomy really is a a, a retelling of those things, a retelling, a, a summary, a review. And sometimes there's details that aren't let, that are left out. But the idea is that Moses here, as we read this this evening, remember that he is, they've already gone through the desert, their desert wanderings. The children of Israel come out of Egypt on the night of the Passover, if you recall that, and they spent 40 years wandering around in the desert, and God tested them there, their unbelief, their, their obedience or lack thereof. God was testing them. But he did. He's faithful to bring them through. And that whole generation, if you recall, because of their unbelief, they perished in the wilderness. God told them that that would be the case. Because God had told them wonderful and precious promises. And had given them everything that they needed, preparing them for this promised land that he was going to bring them into. But they were unbelieving, many of them. And he says, this group will not pass and come into the promised land because of their unbelief. And can you imagine, I mean, when God would allow, you know, when you're bringing close to a couple million people out of, a, out of Egypt and bringing them out into the Sinai Desert 
and to know that God was responsible for, for taking care of these people. He's the great shepherd, amen? And so as he brings them out into the desert, he's not going to leave them out there to die because Pharaoh was right on their, 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 their trail and seeking to destroy them, if you recall. And God parted the waters, if you remember, and they came over on dry land across the Red Sea. That's not just some fairy tale. That is not a fairy tale. It wasn't some shallow thing of water that they could have walked through because if it was, then God did an even greater miracle by causing Pharaoh and all of his chariots, hundreds of them, to be drowned in the depths of the sea <laughs> in just a little water. See, that's what scientists and, and, and scholars like to tell us, that it was just a little thing, you know, very shallow water. But no, that's not what the Bible says. It says the water mounted up on both sides, and the Israelites walked through, guess what, on dry ground. That water had been covering that land for who knows how many centuries. And yet God can miraculously open that water and cause the ground, even that they were going to be walking on, to be dry. Does that sound like a fairy tale to you? It's reality. I believe it with all of my heart because the Bible says it's true, and we need to believe it's true too. Because that's what God says, and God says what he means, and he means what he says. We can have great boldness standing on the word of God. And I love that about the Lord. He says, I have put my word above all my name. And if his name is that great, and he puts his word above all his name, is there any reason why we can't trust this with everything, with all of our being? I believe everything in here. And there's not a smart person on the earth that can wrestle us away from my soul. I've read this book a number of times. And I believe this book because the author of the book has changed my heart, has changed my life, and that is no mistake. And it's not just some fairy tale. It's real. And see, God wants to change your heart tonight. He wants to minister to you, to get you to believe in this, to believe in his word. It's the only truth that we have available to us. Do you realize that? The only truth. Everything else is false. Now, everything may not be false in the sense that it may not be factual, but there is nothing that can surpass the Word of God. God said it. He meant what he said. And he's never denied himself. He has never gone back on his Word. Everything that he has said has come to pass, literally. And there are many things yet in the future that God says that are coming that we can rest our faith in and trust him for because he's never lied to us thus far. And he never will, because what is his, one of his names? Faithful and true. He's faithful and true. And so we're getting into this book of Deuteronomy, and so here Moses is. He's, this whole entire book is really a series of four addresses, four sermons, if you will, to this, to this new generation that's about ready to cross the Jordan into the Promised Land, and the land that we know as Canaan. It's the land of Canaan, which we call the land of Israel today. It was the land of Canaan, but then it became Israel. It's always been Israel. It's not Palestine. It's Israel. <laughs> it's Israel. And here he is. That old generation in their unbelief has passed away in the wilderness. And even Moses himself, because of his unbelief, he wasn't able to cross over either and go into the promised land, if you recall. But here he is on the border of this river, and he's sitting down with these million, with this nearly a couple million people. And he's telling them again, or however many there were, he's telling them again, rehearsing for them the things that their parents had learned that God had told them before because they were about to go into a land that was filled with idolaters. It was a land that was filled with pagan idolatry. 
where they would worship false gods. They would sacrifice their children to these false gods. They would do horrendous things. And God is saying, this is the land I'm bringing you into, and you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. If God loves people that much, he loves us enough to tell us the truth, and he loves us enough to tell us what we're getting into before we go there. Because isn't that what a shepherd does? A shepherd, a real shepherd, a good shepherd, will always go into a field. Even today in Israel, they do this. I've been to Israel twice, and I've seen this happen, and it's really wonderful to see. The shepherd will always go out into the field before he brings his sheep out into a piece of land. He'll go out, and he's looking. He's looking for things that that, that the sheep might eat, because they'll eat anything. Seriously, they'll eat anything. So you've got to make sure that what's out there is not some poisonous weed that, or, or some kind of weed that's going to um, cause them indigestion, That's not some, something that's not polluted. The water streams, the little pools of water that are nearby, is this sustainable? Can my sheep live on this? And a shepherd will go and he'll examine these things ahead of time, and, that's, and he'll make sure, and if there is anything, he'll pluck those things out or cordon them off to another area of the, of, the, of the land there to keep them away from those things. That's what a good shepherd does. And Jesus, God the Father, our good shepherd, that's what he does. He always tells us things in advance. That's why I love the Bible. I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow. Neither do you. But God tells us the end from the beginning. Right? Isn't that his name? <laughs> I am the Alpha and the Omega, he said, the beginning and the ending. God has written down for us history. History, not only history past as it pertains to our salvation and, 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 and what our future, what we've got ahead of us, what's coming. He's, he's told us already. Have you read the book? Have you read the last book of the Bible, Revelation? Have you read Daniel? Have you read Zechariah? These prophets have written under the influence of the Holy Spirit. God has given them direction, and we know the end. We don't know all the details of what's going to happen to us tomorrow, but we know the bigger picture. And I don't know about you, but in the world we live in, that to me brings me the most comfort. Because in a world of chaos, which it is, raise your hand if you think this world is chaotic. (laughs) It's chaotic. It is very chaotic. It's out of control. But God is truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. Many ways... There's only one way that leads to God the Father, and everyone is welcome on that path, but it is a narrow path. It is not a wide path that leads to destruction. Jesus said, my, my way is a narrow way, and few there are that find their way on that path because that path has Jesus on it and at the end of it. So we must believe in Jesus Christ. It's so critical in the world we live in to know where you're going to know where your salvation is and whom your salvation is because no one else has died for you except Jesus. So Moses, again, he's sitting here at the precipice of this thing and he's rehearsing for them. And so now we get into verse 16. And if you remember last week, we looked at the Passover. And again, Moses was reviewing the Passover. And so, in in fact, in this this first or the 16th chapter, we're going to see three different feasts, actually four if you you include the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. There's Passover. From your perspective, looking at me in the order of things, there's the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then there is the uh, Feast of Weeks, or what we would call Pentecost. And then, at the last part of the year, there's also a feast that we're going to look at tonight called the Feast of Tabernacles. 
And there's, there's a few other feasts that are interspersed that, that he's not covering right now in this, and, and we'll get to those at a later time. But tonight we're just going to look at those. But last week we talked about the Passover, and just to recap that, remember the Passover was when that final night after Moses had been pleading with Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. They were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And so Moses finally, God reveals to him, Moses, you're going to deliver my people. And you go and you tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And you remember on each occasion, he went in before Pharaoh and told him, let my people go, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, I will not. And he hardened his heart. He hardened his heart and he wouldn't let the people go. And God pronounced judgment on the gods of Egypt by every one of those 10 plagues that God poured out upon Egypt, one in succession right after another. And the very final one was the one that broke the camel's back because Pharaoh lost his only, his heir on the throne that was going to be coming up underneath him, his firstborn son. In fact, everyone in the land lost their firstborn son of animals and of people. And the only people who survived that night were those who were inside a house. And God told them specifically, if you're going to make it, I'm going to cause my death angel to go over the land of Egypt. And anyone who is not inside the house is going to die. The firstborn is going to die of, 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 of all beasts and of all people. But you must do something. You must take the blood of a lamb and put it on a hyssop. It's sort of like a stringy sort of branchy thing. And they would dip, the, dip it in the blood of the lamb, and they would hit the lintel, the, the horizontal beam of a door. They would hit it like that with the blood. And then they would hit it on the sides of the side posts of the door. And we all know what that signifies, because as that blood would drop from the lintel, it would form a cross. And even back then, God was foreshadowing another lamb that would take his, allow his life to be put on a cross. And it was no mistake, these things. These things were given to the Jews, and they didn't even understand at the time what was going on. But they were obedient, and they lived. And their firstborn didn't die. And so that's what Passover is. That death angel passed over. And we don't like to think of God being in that way, but he means what he says, folks. And when God says for us to do something, it behooves us to be obedient. And he was trying to get Israel in this very first iteration, really, of obedience. Just do what I say. Just do what I say, and you will live. And sometimes that's all as simple as it is. Just do as I say, the Lord says, and you will be safe. You will be blessed if we just do what he says. But we think better. I've got a better way, Lord. I can do it my way. I can get there quicker. You, you're, you want me to do this, but I can, the, the, straight, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. I can get there a lot quicker, Lord. And he's like, well, go ahead and try. You go from here to there, and let's see what a mess you make of your life. Have you ever made a mess of your life? I made a mess of my life until he got a hold of my life. And now all of a sudden, he's taken out all the wrinkles, and he has, and he's led me on a path. Yes, it's been meandering, but he is doing a work, and he wants to do a work in your life too. He's got a plan for your life. Let him have complete control over your life. You will be most blessed when you do. But if you resist him, your life is going to be shambles. Your life is going to be one disappointment after another, and inside you're going to feel empty and confused and frustrated. And you're going to feel like everything's out of control, everything. There's enough chaos in the world, but to have that kind of chaos in your own soul is a whole different matter. Think of it. Why would you want to live that way? Why would you want to live that way any longer? 
And all he simply says is, confess your sin and receive me by faith because I've paid the price for your sin. That's the best deal going. That's the best deal going. So, Jesus, this feast of the Passover was a foreshadowing of ultimately what would happen hundreds of years later, hundreds of years, a couple thousand years later, Jesus would finally go to the cross and he would be the Passover lamb. And he did it. He died on the same day as the Passover lamb was sacrificed in Jerusalem. Do you think the Jews planned it that way? No, they didn't. In fact, they wanted to hurry up and get it over with because the Sabbath was, or the uh, Passover was, they were right on the cusp of it. They wanted to get it done with. But Jesus was in a figure, and God had given that to the Jews. So we looked at verses 1 through 8, and that spoke of the Passover, and it just reviewed what had happened, and we certainly reviewed that just now, what had happened. So now we get into verse 9 of that same chapter, and it talks about the Feast of Weeks. And let's go ahead and read what it says there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. It says, You shall count seven weeks for yourself. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the grain. And so God is telling them, in fact, these feasts that we look at, many of them, most of them, are speaking to them about their agriculture. He's, he's, he's giving them these feasts, and it's based on God's promise to them and their thanksgiving for what God has given. And these feasts all are about that. They're about God providing for them. And it's all about them giving thanks to God for his faithfulness and providing for them all those years and through all that time. So you shall count seven weeks for yourself. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the grain. And then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of a freewill offering from your hand, which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son, and your daughter, notice, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite that is within your gates, these are the servants in the tabernacle, the Levite within your gates, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are among you, at the place which the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. Now, when we think of the Feast of Weeks, there's another term that we know of, that this feast is, and it's called Pentecost, right? It's called Pentecost. And if you look at the, and we get that word from the Septuagint version, which is the Old Testament that had been translated into the Greek language, right? And they called this Pentecost. It literally means 50 days. Now, if you look in verse 9 there, it says, you shall count seven weeks for yourself to the Lord your God, and and you shall put the sickle to the grain, etc. So seven times seven is 49, and it tells us, we're going to look at this in Leviticus in just a few minutes, but the, 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 the day after the Sabbath of that final seven-week period would be the 50th day, and that's where we get the word Pentecost. And what else happened on Pentecost that's so significant? The Holy Spirit was poured out on the church on the day of Pentecost. We read about that in Acts chapter 2, right? And we're going to get to that. So let's move on here. So this Feast of Weeks was a first fruits of their wheat harvest. And so, and the Jews began the harvest, uh, to harvest the grain, and it was a barley, from what I understand, in March or in April, in, in that time frame. And the Feast of Weeks, if you count that 50 days later, that puts it, the feast would actually end um, on uh, sometime in late May or early June. And you know, as we look at these 
three feasts this evening, and we've again, we've already looked at Passover last week. There, there seems to be, especially this one, the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. This feast seems to not have a clear historical context like the Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, I say that with an asterisk <laughs> because, remember, the, the Feast of of Passover was in the past, as he was writing this and sharing this with the people, they remember back in, 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 in Egypt when they went through the Passover. And certainly we know that the Passover was not only something that happened then, but it was also a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And so, and then we're going to look at the Feast of Tabernacles here shortly, and, and that has a, a, there's a, it's done in memory as well. There's more to it than this, but one of the things that God would have them celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles for is to show how his provision for them through the wilderness, how good it was, and how he provided for their every need and shelter and food and everything else. And the Feast of Tabernacles was exactly that. They would build shelters for themselves, and they still do it to this day in modern Israel. They build these little shacks on top of the roofs of their house with palm fronds. Of course, they use plywood and all kinds of funny, you know, fancier things now. But again, that feast was significant of, and it was done in memorial for what had happened in the past, God's faithfulness. But here in the Feast of Weeks, this Pentecost, as we would call it, there's really nothing in the, in the past of their history that really relates to this. It certainly points toward, we know that future to this time that he was talking to them, it would certainly speak of and foreshadow the day of Pentecost, when the church would be born in Jerusalem, when the Holy Spirit was poured out. But there is one Jewish tradition that could be a memorial for this or, or could commemorate this feast. And it's, it's, in Levitic, or I'm sorry, it's in Exodus chapter 32. And if you remember, it was the time that God gave the law to Moses. Do you remember that time when they... They were only a few months out of Egypt. And remember, God called Moses to go up to the top of the mountain. And there he is. And he's up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And the children of Israel started to get a little concerned. Where is our leader? Where did he go? And because they lived in pagan Egypt, they're thinking, well, he probably got eight by a lion or something, but let's, let's, let's move on here. And so remember, the pressure was put on Aaron, Moses' brother, older brother, to make them a calf, a molten calf. And you remember that when Moses came down from the mountain, when he finally came down, he had the, t- the, the two stone tablets of the, 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 the Ten Commandments on two tablets of stone that God engraved personally with his own finger. And he brought them down the mountain, and he saw what was going on, and he, he dropped the tablets and broke them. And it wasn't long after that that 3,000 people were killed. Because of their disobedience to God, God allowed that to happen. And, you know, we live in a, in a very politically correct culture where anything like this just sends a cringe down the spine of most people. But we have to understand that God is serious. He's serious. And because of the, the, the wicked things that have happened in our country and in the world, it's because we've lost sight of this. We've lost sight. We have no fear anymore of God. We have no fear of authority. 
And when we lose the fear of God and we lose the fear of authority, we have opened up Pandora's box, and now everything goes. We see it in our schools. It's a horrible thing what they, what's happening now. I just heard it. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.